Hallelujah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another marvelous episode of CFB Nation hosted by me, Lever KT, a.k.a. the governor of college football. And look, week six was crazy. Phenomenal, jam-packed action. I can't wait to get into today's show. Of course, we got our co-host, Nino Brown. Y'all know Nino Brown in the building. Y'all know his Patriots won yesterday, so he might get a little nfl this episode. Y'all gonna have to ignore him. Also, we got a special guest, Kelly Ford, host of We Hate Your Team podcast with Zach King, also the assistant commissioner of the Horizon League, and the rankings are, trust me, this is a real treat. Y'all going to not only get the what that the AP give you, you're going to also get the why with this guy's ratings. We got a jam-packed show. Y'all already know how this go. Grab y'all a snack. Relax. The next 30 minutes, CFB Nation, we got y'all. Let's talk about it. Tennessee versus LSU. Tennessee defeated LSU 40-13. to Got a couple things to talk about with this game. Hendon Hooker. Starting to rise up the, the the boards with the Heisman. He had he was 17 to 27, 239 yards passing. Jabari Small looked good on the ground, 127 yards. He had two TDs. Also, the defense had five sacks. And Jalen Hyde had, added two touchdowns. This Tennessee team is getting scary. I think we all think that Hypo got this team believing that they can win the SEC East, which is crazy to think. I don't think a lot of people were predicting that before the season start. But first, let's go to Kelly Ford. Dude, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Yeah, first off, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. My biggest takeaway from this game was really just confirmation of something I think I already knew, and that is this Tennessee offense is just phenomenal. I mean, by my numbers, I break it down offense, defense, overall team ratings. This is the number two offense in the entire country behind only Ohio State. Hendon Hooker, you you talked about it. Got to be on some Heisman list now. He takes care of the football. He moves the football. They move at lightning speed. My, to me, my biggest takeaway, Tennessee just beat who I had as the number 11 power-rated team in the country at mm-hmm. LSU on the road, and they throttled them. Tennessee's legit. They're awesome. Uh, they're all the way up to number six this week in my power ratings. I've had them top seven since uh, going into week two. So this isn't new, but it's confirmation. Tennessee's legit, and I'm super excited to see them this weekend uh, host Alabama. going to be a great game. Nino, talk to me. Listen, I, I'm, I'm a hooker guy. Uh, I, I think he's just he's just jumping up the ladder. He balled out. I mean, he did have a couple of throws where he just just a little bit high. We could have made his numbers even more super, super high, and the, the talk about hooker would have been even more. Um, he owned Death Valley. The, the Volunteers owned Death Valley. Uh, I know you got them as a power ranking, uh, Mr. Ford, but my, my question is about that is, they got a great defense. That offense is anemic. Um, Daniels is struggling to get guys. He's got that one one target. Boudet's kind of checked out. He caught a touchdown, but I mean, he was wide open. Me and you could have caught that touchdown. It was wide open in the back of the end zone. There was nobody even around. Uh, DJ's great on that on that defense for the LSU Tigers. Kelly, um, to me, I think he needs another year to turn that program around. Volunteers are here. If they win this this game, this game this weekend. And Hook is kicking the door in, kicking the door on everything. They're kicking the door in the national championship. They're kicking the door in the playoff. They're kicking the door in the Heisman. Like, uh, this is his game. This is his statement game. They say statement Saturday. He's carrying the big chain. He's going to walk in there with a the boombox, and I think he's, he's going to ball out. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, Knoxville will be literally on fire. They're going to riot in Knoxville if they're able to win that game against Alabama. So, 
couple things Tennessee when it when it comes to mind for me. One, we talked about it in the green room. Cedric Tillman isn't back yet. So this offense is not even reached its full potential yet because Cedric Tillman isn't back. I talked about this on my last episode. The emergence of Jalen Hyatt as an intermediate route runner. We knew coming out of high school he had amazing speed, but what we didn't see was a route running. I think he's finally getting it together. So that leads me to question number two I have for you guys. I'm going to go to K Ford again. Can Tennessee win the SEC East? I know the fans in Knoxville want to know. Can they legitimately win the SEC East? So coming into the year, I had Tennessee as the number two projected team in the SEC East behind Georgia. That still has not changed, but the gap has definitely shrunk because Georgia is Georgia. They've been as good as we thought. Tennessee definitely has uh, overachieved so far in terms of how good they've been relative to what I expected coming in. Can they win the SEC East? Yes. Right now, um, my numbers give them about a 6-2 and two overall record in the conference. Georgia looking at about a 7-1. and one. If Tennessee wins at Georgia later this year, which my current numbers give Tennessee a 24% chance to do. So a one in four chance for Tennessee to go on the road and win at Georgia. If they do that, Tennessee will be favored slightly by my numbers to win the East. And they have the tiebreaker, which would not be accounted for in my mathematical numbers. So uh, even though I expect Tennessee to lose this weekend, it's still all in front of them if they go out and beat Georgia uh, in a couple weeks, which my numbers have a 24% chance to do. So absolutely they can. They got to beat the Bulldogs. Wow. Nino, 30 seconds. Talk to me. They got to beat my Wildcats, too. If Will, if Will's healthy, that game's in between. It's in between Bama and Georgia, right? They got Bama, the Wildcats, and there's a game in between, and then, and then they got Georgia. Will's healthy. That's a battle. That's a dogfight. I think that's a good game. The way that they win is what we talked about in the green room. It's Hooker using his legs. He's been falling out with his arm. They, Tillman's not back. I said in the green room again, I think he's been a little secret weapon that hold him back. He could be exposed this weekend. But his legs, that, that's his Heisman shine. He's been doing it this year, and, I, and I'm super, super surprised. All righty. Let's talk about the second game on our segment. We're talking about this TCU-Kansas game. TCU was able to defeat Kansas 38-31. to Let's talk about some of the stats here. Uh, Max Duckin, he's been having a good year. He did throw his first interception on the season, but he was 23 of 33, 308 yards. He had three TDs, and like I said to mention, one interception. Quentin Johnson, what, what gotten into him? <laughs> 14 catches, 206 yards, one TD. Um, Sonny Dykes. Year one with this program, TCU is what, 6-0? and that is, that is pretty outstanding. So let's talk about it. Same question. Uh, we're going to start with Nino this time. Biggest takeaway from this game, Nino, um, and then we'll go to K4 right after that. Um, my biggest takeaway from this game is that Max Dugan is just balling out, absolutely balling out. I mean, like you said, it was his first pick. I believe he's got, what, um, 14 touchdowns, 1,300 yards, 77 completion rate. Not expecting that from him. I don't think anybody was expecting that from no. him this year. And this is in in his defense. This is the first game that Quentin Johnson has done anything, anything at all. But they force fed him and got him going. So I'm just super super surprised if if Quentin can keep rolling like this. Yeah, yeah, definitely a force that flexing. Dugan's out there. I thought he was gonna do you know State Farm belt the way he was throwing <laughs> things around there. Um, this game and he's running. He had a touchdown on the ground too. So. He's just a Swiss Army, and he's getting it done. I'm super excited to see what they do for the rest of the year. K-4, same question. 
Yeah, not, not a lot to add there. I talked about Tennessee's offense being so explosive, being so great. TCU's offense also really good by my numbers. Top 10, they have an average defense, but that offensive side of the ball, Max Duggan, we talked about it. I mean, coming into this year, guys, we weren't even sure if Max Duggan was going to be the starting quarterback. There was a competition there at TCU for who's going to be QB1. Max Duggan has taken it, he's run, and TCU is off and running this season. My biggest takeaway from the game, though, is actually my numbers expected TCU to win this game. For as great as Kansas' season has been, and it's been phenomenal, they're a much better team than we expected coming in. They they were still only power rated by my numbers number 51 merit ranking they were a top five team coming into this game but power rating in terms of looking forward number 51 tcu was number 13 so the way i look at it is what were you going into the game what were you coming out of the game my number is actually a little bit less impressed with tcu now they dropped four spots i now have them power rated number 17 so tcu did not perform up to the level that my number expected in this game uh but they still got the win they looked pretty good doing it just not quite as good as i thought they would uh, so tcu still a really good team uh kansas having a phenomenal year can't take that away from them and they've already overachieved expectations for the year, and we're only halfway through. If they lost every game the rest of the way, folks in Lawrence should still be thrilled at the season that they've had. So uh, those are my takeaways for this one. All righty. Staying with you, K Ford, can they win a Big 12? Uh, I guess we should separate this into two parts. Can they, can they win it outright in the regular season? And, you know, could they also win the championship? Yeah, so TCU is interesting for me. They are undefeated right now. Uh, there's a couple undefeated teams in conference play uh, in the Big 12. My numbers really, really like Texas from a power rating standpoint. I know they've lost two games. One of them was in conference. My numbers still currently project Texas to win the regular season in the Big 12. Uh, 6.7 projected conference wins for them. Oklahoma State is actually number two at 6.2. I have TCU in third at 5.9. However, massive game this weekend, TCU uh, hosting Oklahoma State. If TCU wins this game, which my numbers expect, it's a 54% win probability for the Horned Frogs, so very, very close game, but I would lean TCU. If TCU gets it done, they do jump up to projected number two in the Big 12 regular season, which would put them in that conference championship game, and we know anything can happen in one game. Wow, I love that take. Before we come to you, uh, Nino, Oklahoma State, I know Nino knows this. Michigan, I hated their non-conference schedule. Oklahoma State, I think they opened up every game before they got to conference play at home. Like, I, I get it. You know, if you, you want to start off the season 5-0, and that's cool. But when you start playing some of these tougher conference opponents, how does it help you in the long run? 55 seconds, Nino, talk to me. Oh, three things. You got Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Texas. Those are the three games that TCU needs to run through. I agree, uh, uh, Mr. Ford, that Texas will win. And I do believe Oklahoma State will be second. This game is huge. TCU's defense is suspect, okay? It's uh, Katie Perry. It's hot and cold. One week you're good, one, get, one week you're bad. And they saw Spencer Sanders because Spencer Sanders get it done against every team he's played. I'm not saying they played all tough teams, but he's balled out every single game. That's a huge test. Do not sleep at the end of the year. That Baylor game could be huge. That could be a game that they've already looked past. If they lose that game, their season crumbles. Wow, great job. So let's get into these actual Week 7 rankings. I'm going to pass it to K Ford. You can kind of introduce us into your mindset. Nino, as you have a question, shoot. As I have a question, I'll shoot. But you can go ahead and kind of explain to us, one, how your rating system works. You don't got to get into too many specifics because we don't want this duplicated. But uh, just, you know, some of your thought process, and there will be a couple of teams that I'll point out and I'll ask you about. Yeah, absolutely. I won't bore you with all the uh, advanced math details. I, I think I make it seem harder than it is to understand sometimes. So to break it down really simply, this is a power rating system where I am trying to project, looking forward, the strength of these teams. So think 
uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus, Brian Fromo's FEI, ESPN's FPI. All of these are power rating systems where what we're doing is we're looking at the predictive aspects of football, aggregating them for any given team, and then creating a rating on whatever scale you use. I use a scale of 0 to 100. It's kind of intuitive uh, to think that way for us, where 50 is average. So 100 is best, 0 is worst, 50 is average. You can see on the screen here, I have a new number one team this week. Ohio State has overtaken Alabama in my power ratings, just barely, uh, both of them with a a K-Ford rating of 99.5. So these are two phenomenal teams, Georgia there at 98.9. So power ratings, doesn't matter what you've accomplished and what your record is. It's looking at, okay, if we toss up all these factors into the air, how would this team be expected to perform moving forward? Which team would be favored over which by my model on a neutral field? That's how you can interpret uh, these ratings. So that's kind of what they are in a nutshell. All righty. So I guess I'll shoot first. I'll let Nino go second. So I think one of the bigger fan bases that tap into this podcast are our friends in Champagne who will not let me live down the fact that I did not have Chase Brown in my top 10 running back list. <laughs> now, if I knew what I knew now, hey, he, he would have been in my list. I just felt like last year he had, you know, two big games, the one against Penn State, and I forgot the other uh, team that he had 200 yards, and that, that was a good portion of his yardage. So I, I want to start with Illinois. How do you feel about Illinois overall? I see you got them 31 in your, your ratings uh, list. How do you feel about them? Uh, like I said, I, I can't wait to see the response from our friends in Champaign. It's so funny to see fan bases. Uh, some of them latch on, some of them get mad, depending on what you have to say. So I've got mine. You've got yours in Illinois, it sounds like. So yeah, Illinois is a team that this year has been much better than I expected. I mean, coming into this year, really Illinois, Northwestern, kind of the two bottom teams in the Big Ten West. We thought the Big Ten West was going to be this hodgepodge of teams, but you had Wisconsin, you had Iowa, you had Minnesota, you had Purdue, um, Nebraska, even by my numbers coming into the year. Illinois has really been a surprise, and they've looked really good. I'm really impressed with them. Off to a 5-1 and record here, up to number 31, as you said. That is up one spot in my rating rankings. They were 32 last week, but you can see there on the right, they actually fell slightly in the rating, so their rating came down a little bit. That'll happen when you play a very ugly 9-6 to game against Iowa at home and sneak out of there with that win. Uh, it wasn't a good game for either team, so their rating came down just a little bit, but their ranking actually went up by one because of the movement of teams around them. So, Illinois, I'm super impressed by them. Uh, in the Big Ten West, I've got Minnesota there at 18, Purdue at 28, Wisconsin's there at 25, and then Illinois at 31. So, uh, Illinois absolutely has a chance to win the West and uh, represent the Big Ten West in Indianapolis uh, at the end of the year. Nino, you got any anything you're, you're interested in with uh, Week 7? I got two. I got two, two, uh, two points I want to ask Mr. Ford here. Uh, obviously, I said, you know, the TCU-Bailey game, and I see you got him ranked one on top of the other. Makes my my pick look real smart before I even saw your rankings. <laughs> and then um, I'm, I'm a Bo Nix guy. Um, I think Oregon is kind of they had that one game beginning of the year against a big dog team. They got smoked. Everybody thought they were washed. Phoenix is balling right now. Franklin's there. What are your thoughts on Oregon? Can they win the Pac-12? Can they sneak into this college playoff possibly? And what about Baylor? Can Baylor knock off TCU and and their dreams? 
Yeah, I'll take Oregon first there. I absolutely think Oregon has a chance to to play in the Pac-12 championship, win the Pac-12. And if they get if they're 12 and 1 at the end of the year with a Pac-12 championship and their only loss being a neutral site in Atlanta, so is that really neutral site you could argue against Georgia to start the year? Absolutely. It's going to depend on whatever what all the other teams look like at that point with their records and what they've accomplished, but Oregon absolutely has a chance to be in the college football playoff if they run the table here. Um, and they're and they're good enough to have a chance, right? You see Utah and USC power rated above them, but they're right there number 3 in the Pac-12 uh, where they take the two best conference records, no divisions out there. And then really quickly because we have 10 seconds, Baylor TCU, absolutely Baylor still in this thing. They can upset TCU. Um, they are like I said, like you see there, number 16 in the power rating. So a really, really good Baylor team. I know they've lost a couple games, but uh, things still in front of Baylor for sure. And I love Dave Aranda, which doesn't factor into the ratings, but worth saying, I absolutely love Dave Aranda. Richard Reese, baby. Richard Reese. And we're going to come back to these ratings in a different format a little bit later on. Let's talk uh, some college football playoff talk. I've been trying to avoid talking about the college football playoffs up until we get closer to the halfway mark of the season. Um, I did see that K4 tweeted out something. He was like, if I had a college football playoff pick as of now, this would be my playoff. Did you want to expound more on that? Yeah, and we'll get into that here in the next segment where we talk about my most deserving. But mm-hmm. basically, uh, at this at this point in time, if we're picking playoff teams right now based mm-hmm. on what they've accomplished. I'd actually have three SEC teams in the playoff. I'd have Alabama, uh, Tennessee, and Georgia because they're all in the top four of my most deserving, as you'll see, along with Ohio State. Um, so those are really good teams, obviously. They're really accomplished teams. So that would be my picks for now. Of course, it's not going to play out that way. Uh, there's too many games left to be played. Yeah. Coming into the season, I think it's worth noting, my playoff picks were uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. So I didn't really go out on any limbs. I let my numbers drive uh, my predictions. But as of right now, all of those teams still undefeated and looking like they have uh, a good chance to be there. So um, playoffs always exciting. It's always fun debating who should be in. Um, but yeah, we're at halfway point of the season, and there's still a lot of football left to be played for sure. Nino. Yes. So I'm going to set the pot a little bit. My, my four, if, if we're starting right now, I got uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, and, and Oregon. Um, that's why I, I threw it out to him. I have a vibe the same way he said the same thing. I mean, if they go 12-1, I think they can go nose-to-nose with USC. I do love Bill Williams and Joe Addison, but I think Oregon can match them. I think that the offense has been on fire lately. I'm going to say Oregon's defense is better than USC's defense. Um, I think they got more playmakers and, and NFL talent. Uh, Noah Sewell and, and that guy on the, on the end there are good. That secondary is pretty good. That, that, that's my pick. I think Oregon squeaks in, and that was why I threw it out there. Let's let's stay in the Pac-12 for a second. Uh, UCLA. I'm going to go to K4 first. How do you feel about UCLA? So UCLA, you could go back and listen to the audio from um, on our podcast, our preseason picks and sleepers and all of that. UCLA was a team I mentioned really more to do with their schedule set up really well. It was a very weak non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. The way that the uh, conference slate played out, you thought UCLA had a chance. I've got UCLA power rated number 30 this week. They had a great win against Utah this past week, a game I did not see them winning, and they did it. So UCLA is a team that, I mean, everything's in front of them. They're obviously undefeated. That offense, I'm talking a lot about offenses tonight, I think, since we've talked about uh, TCU <laughs> and Tennessee. This this UCLA offense is top five. I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is, is, is phenomenal. Like, this, Chip Kelly's got that program in a place now, or this team at least. I'm not sure about the program, but this team at least in a place where people expected them to get with him uh, when they made that hire. Jeez, a handful of years ago now. UCLA's legit. 
They have some games still in front of them that they're going to need to go out and win, but they put themselves in a position and they've done everything that was expected of them to this point and some. UCLA is absolutely a team who you could see in that Pac-12 championship game. And again, in one game, anything can happen. So don't sleep on the Bruins. I've been saying it since uh, July or August, and it's definitely playing out that way. You you can go ahead, Nino. I know you got something to say about the Brewers. I, I agree. I agree with him. Um, I think they run through um, Robinson, um, DTR, and listen, I, I've been questioning Chabonet coming back, and he's quietly just been crushing it week after week. 20 attempts, 120, 140 touchdowns. They found Elixir this week. The Duke transfer on Bobo. That's the guy. That's the guy that stretches the field. That's the dude that makes everything better for them. Because now you can roll out, you can do RPO, and you have a threat downfield. And he was a dog at, at Duke, but I'm like, it's Duke. Like, really, who's he, who's he playing? You're right, <laughs> and they're at the bottom anyway. Took him a little bit. He had a couple little little flares. He balled out this week. Um, they're, they're dangerous. They have a chance. It it, it rides on, on DTR. It, it, all on him. Kind of like Levis. You know, like it all falls on his shoulders. The, the offense runs to him. Chip Kelly's got them with the Oregon esque on the offensive side right now. It's kind of the pieces of saying are falling together. Everybody's believing. Once everybody believes and they get tied in, it's it's hard to beat someone like that. So um, they can make a run. We'll see what happens. That was a big win this week. Yeah, they surprised me. I did not have them beating Utah. I thought Utah would out physical them. I thought Kincaid, um, their, their tight end room is beautiful. I just, I just thought they would win the game, but like we say, I think Chip Kelly's greatest growth is the ability to understand, hey, my defense has been on the field. We do not need a three-and-out, four-and-out, five-and-out, and then our defense got to come right back on the field. So I think that's been his biggest – you have something to say? M. Rising can't be your, your leading running back. Davion Thomas needed to take over. There was options with Davion Thomas going to take over, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. He needs to take over. He hasn't been playing great this year. He's one of those running backs I had in my top ten. I also had Zach Charbonnet in my top ten. Um, but let's let's talk about this most deserved list. Actually, we're going to go back to the ratings list, and then I'm going to upload this uh, most deserved list. Uh, so so talk to me about your most, most deserved list. I'm going I'm to get the right image in here in a second. Yeah, for sure. So the most deserving rankings are very different than the K-Ford power ratings. There's two very different things. Power ratings look forward. Most deserving rankings look backwards. So it this ranking system describes how a team has performed against its schedule relative to how the average top 25 team would be expected to perform against that same schedule. So we're using a common reference point of the average top 25 team to kind of normalize and standardize and, and, and make a comparison point for all the different inequities in college football scheduling. We know this is not the NFL. We do not play equal schedules. Uh, it's tougher to play in the SEC than it is maybe in the Pac-12 or certainly in group of five conferences. So how do we how do we make sense of the various records and the strength of schedules to get there. So that's what the most deserving rankings do. It's how difficult is it to achieve your record or better relative to what the average top 25 team would expect it to, to have. And then I also throw in a little bit of a twist with um, a dominance factor, or it's basically a relative scoring margin. So how 
by how much or how little have you outperformed your expected scoring margin? And that expected, again, is relative to the average top 25 team. So that's how you can get to these most deserving rankings. Looking backward, this is fully resume-based. So you can see here on the screen, I have TCU ranked number five, but I would have Clemson, who is number nine, favored against TCU on a neutral field. But TCU has achieved more this year, which is why they are ranked where they are. Also comes back, you asked about my, my college playoff picks to date. I'd go with these four, Alabama, Ohio State, Tennessee, Georgia, because these are the four most accomplished teams uh, by my numbers so far this season. So um, you can see here, it is slightly more impressive for Oregon to have gone 5-1 and one than Ole Miss to go 6-0. and oh. And you don't usually say that about SEC teams who are undefeated, a Pac-12 team who's not. It just goes to show what Ole Miss has, uh, have played so far. They have a lot of tough games still in front of them. So if Ole Miss keeps winning, they'll be climbing that these rankings real quick. I love it. I love the Purdue. I love Purdue on there. I love Coastal Carolina on there. I love the, the Green Wave and Tulane. Um, I was going to ask you, how do you feel about James Madison cracking on the top 25 this week? Uh, it's mind-blowing. Like They're actually there, right? They, they made it. They, they, they finally did it. So this is incredible because this is a program. It's their first year in FBS. They've just made this transition from FCS, and they haven't lost the game yet. And I've actually had them ranked. It was big news yesterday in the AP when James Madison was ranked number 25 by the AP. And I you know, I saw all this on Twitter, and I said, hey, yeah, a lot of noise about James Madison today, a lot of love for them. They absolutely deserve it. Good, good for them. They should be getting this shine. My bigger takeaway is the AP is late to the party. I've had James Madison. <laughs> I've had James Madison in my top 25 of my most deserving for three weeks now. This is the third week. Uh, I actually had them up at number 16 last week. You can see. So while they did get a win this weekend, um, there are a couple other teams that jumped ahead of them based on bigger wins that they had, and just how all the all the numbers come together and it comes out with these final uh, most deserving rankings, which I list 40 on the screen here. But I do it from one all the way down to 131. So hey, good on the AP for ranking James Madison. They absolutely deserve it, but. Uh, they, they should have been here already, in my opinion. Uh, but number 18, it's very impressive what James Madison has done. Uh, they, they've got to be thinking of themselves, hey, we thought this FBS thing was supposed to be hard, right? Like, we're out here just, win <laughs> we're out here just winning games. So go Dukes. It's amazing. They're kind of this year's UTSA is kind of what they remind me of. With the meet meep last year, now it's go Dukes. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, James Madison deserves to be ranked. Yeah, Surprising a for sure. AP is typically late to the party uh i know me and nino talked about when um after florida beat utah how high they climbed in the week two poll and we were like whoa <laughs> slow down a little bit the, the team i want to ask you is about is syracuse orange i didn't expect them to have this great of a season we've seen last couple of years they just weren't able to win games yes they had sean tucker in the backfield but they weren't able to put it all together in all three phases of the game so how do you feel about Syracuse I see you have them at 15 in your most deserving rankings also by the way I think I had the we did a run and we'll, we'll go a little bit extra this segment we did a run was it last week Nino where we talked about the best division in college football and I talked yes. about that ACC Atlantic needing you know more credit than, than people probably had you know anticipated coming into the season so talk to me about Syracuse a little bit yeah, Syracuse is definitely a team that's having a great season, much better than expected. I have them, as you see there, number 15 and the most deserving. That's down one spot from last week. They didn't play this past weekend, so to only fall one spot when you didn't play is actually pretty good. Um, they're number 33 in the power rating. So this is a top 35 
predictively speaking, team, which is phenomenal for Syracuse and by their standards. Uh, interesting that you say the ACC Atlantic needs a little bit more more shine. Um, I definitely wouldn't have thought of the ACC uh, Atlantic when you're talking about best divisions in college football. My mind immediately goes to the SEC West, the Big Ten East. Um, but yeah, the ACC Atlantic, there's, there's a couple teams in there that can make some noise and some surprises like Syracuse. So great season so far for the Orange and really excited to see uh, how it goes from here. All righty, fellas, any final words? With Syracuse, real quick, they have an absolute – they have two guys that I think will be playing on Sunday for them. Um, Mike Jones is an absolute dog at linebacker for them. He's got 33 tackles, 23 solos. He's an animal. And then their defensive back, uh, Garrett Williams, I mean, he's making a case to be a you know, top seven DB in college football right now. He's just been crushing things right now. So those are my two guys at Syracuse. I think that defense is what changed the program around. They had Tucker already. That defense is locking things down, so – my, my final thought would just be, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on today. This has been an absolute blast. It's been so much fun, and uh, I really enjoyed talking college football with you guys. So uh, thanks again for having me. This has been f- fantastic. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you you know joining our show. Uh, we, we definitely respect your uh, rankings. We talk about them every week. Uh, I kind of manifested it. This happened. We was like, yo, hopefully we can get, you know, either K Ford or uh, Jeff uh, Sagarin on the show. Because like I said, those are the ratings that I look at, the ratings that I respect. So let's get into today's uh, closing. Shout out to uh, K Ford. Shout out to my boy Nino. That was a fun episode. I, I didn't want it to end. It was the fastest 30 minutes that we've had on CFB Nation. Um, so we're going to definitely have to reach out to K Ford and see if we can get him on the show again. Like I always like to say. Do something nice for somebody you normally wouldn't do. Always pay it forward. Peace and love. Peace and blessings. And until next time.